Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Charlotte Hornets fans, it is I, Darian Thomas, your host of the Trust the Buzz podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by Bet Online. Use code Believe for a fifty percent welcome bonus. We got an action-packed show for you today, as I'm recording this on Tuesday, November twenty-first. Um, it is the day after the Charlotte Hornets beat the Boston Celtics in overtime. I don't quite remember the score. I should have probably pulled that up, but it was a nail biter. So we're going to talk about some things from that game. Um, also, we're just going to talk about some things going forward because once Terry gets back, we have the team. Everybody that we said we wanted, everybody where we're saying wait till blah 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 gets back, we will officially have everyone as far as the key main guys. I, we may still be probably missing Nick Richards for a little bit. Frank Nealakina still won't be playing and Cody Martin. So technically, is it everyone? No. But as far as what we've been looking to see really for the last two years, we will have it. So I'm looking forward to when that time comes. Terry is out for the game uh, tomorrow against the Wizards. Well, actually today. That That's probably when y'all will be listening to this. This will come out Wednesday morning. Um, and so as we look forward to that game and then just a little bit for the rest of the season, um, at least as far as the eye can see, we'll also talk about some things about the LaMelo ball narrative. Because if you know me at all, whether you know me from the channel, Trust the Buzz on YouTube, or if you just know, just listen to this podcast and have listened to, you know, maybe a couple of episodes uh, once I started to take over after we've had some great hosts in the past. Uh, essentially, I don't really like to talk too much about LaMelo Ball. And that is because so many people are going to do it as far as the people who follow the family, as far as the people who just follow him personally. Um, they're going to let you know when LaMelo has a good game. So I really just tried to give the Charlotte Hornets fan perspective because I've always been a Charlotte Hornets fan. So that is why I, you don't really hear me like go on and on and on about LaMelo. think he's a fantastic player. Obviously, you know, they did the right thing by resigning him. He is the franchise. He is the offense um, at times. And last night against the Celtics was one of those times. But in general, I, like I said, I think so many people are going to cover it, but I think it's important to get the actual fan perspective as you're a fan of the Charlotte Hornets and what is your perspective. And I want to talk about that narrative because I've seen some nasty narratives about my guy LaMelo Ball and he's just proving everybody wrong. I've even came on here and I've always said that talent I'm not worried about. It was the shot he would take and he still takes bad shots, but he finally makes them. That was that was my only thing. If you're not making them. Let's maybe do something else to kind of work your way back. Let's wait till you get healthy. He's healthy now and been balling out. So like I said, action packed show for you. And we're going to start off by talking about the game last night against the Boston Celtics. So what a game, what a game, what a game. Um, It started off kind of, you know, a typical Hornets game where they actually kind of stick, you know, with the other team for a little bit, even though this team is the one of the best teams in basketball, if not the best team in basketball. The Charlotte Hornets did a good job of kind of keeping pace with the Boston Celtics in their first quarter. I think the Celtics only ended up scoring like a 21 points, 23 points in that first quarter, which is 
that is good for us. We typically are not able to hold teams to that low uh, in the first quarter. Normally teams are scoring like 30. So our defense actually played pretty well, in my opinion, in that first quarter. Nothing extraordinary defensively at this time. Um, you know, we had Miles Bridges. I think he was on Jason Tatum. We had um, Brandon Miller. I believe he was on Drew Holiday. Gordon Hayward, I think, was on um, – Dang, who was Gordon Hayward on? Jalen Brown, and then they would have LaMelo on whoever was left, and then, of course, Mark on Porzingis. And that's kind of how they had it defensively, and I, and I think it worked out great. Like I said, it was standard basketball. Nothing really stuck out. LaMelo came out hot. That, that's you know He came out very, very energetic, and I said something like, I think this is the most energetic we've seen. Somebody was like, ah, oh, he's been doing this, and it was like, no. The energy just felt different. He was zooming on both sides of the ball. Um so I, I, that, that's kind of really what I meant by like he just seems more energetic. He was going full speed both ways. And and I really appreciate that from because once again, as we can kind of tell, you know, once we get to the end of talking about this game, they saw that video of Jason Tatum talking about, uh, you know, getting up for a game in Charlotte. And what's funny about that is that he really didn't say anything wrong as far as, you know, he didn't say the Charlotte Hornets suck or anything like that. He was just saying, you know, you're playing a team on a Monday night. It's not a team that, you know, is a playoff team. Um, he just so happened he's the Charlotte Hornets. And he was like, hey, you got to get up and play for those games. And he came out to play. He ended up with 45 points. So he definitely came to play. And I think he was definitely ready to prepare to back up his words. I, I love that for him. Even though he's he's a Duke former Blue, a Duke Blue Devil and, and actually in Boston. I don't like any team from Boston. Um, you know, I got to pay respect where it's due. And he, he he showed up to play. He know what he said. And he, he you know, was trying to show that, hey, look, I know what I said. So, therefore, I'm going to have to play excellent ball. And I think he did just that. They couldn't stop him. Uh, it was between fadeaways, threes. They just really couldn't stop him. And that really started in the second quarter where him and Peyton Pritchard were just going crazy. Now, uh, Jason Tatum had some, had some shots in the first quarter, of course. You know, he's going to score. But in the second quarter, him and Peyton Pritchard just really couldn't miss. And I think at one point in that second quarter, we saw the Boston Celtics I think make six straight threes. For some reason, we could just not stop. And Peyton Pritchard really was like the, the culprit. He just could not miss. I, I don't know what it was, but he could not miss. Um, the Hornets, as you know, don't really do a good job of guarding three-point line. And part of that is because we close out way too fast. I, I, what happens a lot and what I'm kind of seeing defensively is like the Hornets will ball watch. And then someone would get it in the paint and then they'll see the open person in the corner and they'll kick it out. Whoever is guarding that person on the three point line is usually sucking in all the way, basically guarding ball at this point. They have to go so far back out to the corner to try to, you know, contest the shot. And then depending on who it is, they get out there. Mark Williams, I think it does a pretty good job of it. Um, Lamelo Ball, of course, um, Brandon Miller, they all do a pretty decent job of if that happens, they're able to kind of get back out there. Then you close it out too hard. And then kind of that that person who you know was about to shoot, let's just say Drew Holiday for this instance, is able to now attack the rim and there's really no help because you're out to play at this point. So they either whoever's guarding inside will either have to rotate over to the ball handler where the ball handler can easily just dump it off or they're going to try not to play in the middle, which. You know, that, that it's just a two on one at that point. So 
that is part of the reason why we're not able to guard at the point line. I think another part of it is that we're just not really good at denying people the ball. Um, we kind of just let them get the ball and kind of figure out what they want to do with it. And saying that, uh, going into the second half, really, this is where, I mean, LaMelo's been making shots all game, but the second half, I think, really is where he makes his mark uh, as far as just every basket just felt like a clutch basket. So I think in the first half, what we were seeing was LaMelo was hitting, but it was more of like, this is just an amazing game. Like he's, he's having a great game. In the second half, we just needed every single bucket possible, and he and he was doing that. So it was great to see that from him um, just because of the fact that I know, as we'll talk about later, the narrative about LaMelo is that he doesn't play winning basketball. But, man, he, he was playing his butt off um, at the end of this game, and, and, and we needed literally every single point, every single drive, every single assist, everything he did, we needed it. So – Shouts out to Lamelo that on on that, and of course, you know we'll follow up as we continue to go through the game. But really, no one else was hitting from the three point line. I think Brandon Miller hit a clutch three, you know, somewhere towards like the end of the game. Uh, PJ Washington was three for nine. I do know that off the top of my head because from seeing the box score earlier. And I mean that's okay. It's what thirty three percent. I guess I'll take it, even though we'll need PJ to kind of be closer to a thirty eight, maybe even forty percent three point shooter. But I'll take 33% considering no one else was hitting because until like really the end of the game where Miles Bridges hits the game winner, spoiler alert, it really wasn't much three-point shooting going on from anybody else. So shouts out to kind of PJ for just, you know, leaving, you know, some of that pressure off LaMelo a little bit just from the outside because, like I said, uh, outside of LaMelo, no one else was really hitting. But Anyway, uh, we basically started to fight back in that third quarter. In that third quarter, we really started to fight back and trying to get close into the game. There was a part in the game where we were really close. I want to say we got down to like four, but then the offense went cold. And the reason it was so frustrating with the offense going cold is because during these minutes, that's when none of the starters, if I'm not mistaken, for the Boston Celtics were playing at this point. So we were just kind of there. And there was it just didn't make sense how we couldn't at least tie that game with those guys in the game. And I think part of it is that our bench unit right now is just so suspect because even though I'm probably about to praise Gordon Hayward in five minutes, he it wasn't until late, late into the game where he really started to make a difference um, offensively, defensively, the whole second half, as we'll talk about later. He did a pretty good job of kind of getting us to where we need to be. Um, but overall, it was just – we couldn't hit Bryce McGowan's was they were literally leaving Bryce McGowan's wide open. He just could not hit a three. Um, LaMelo really wasn't in. Ishmael was kind of hitting his shots, but you know, like Ishmael is not really looking to score. And also as a team, we shouldn't be really relying on Ishmael to score, but he, he was getting a couple buckets here and there, but really he's there to facilitate and he does an excellent job, but we are just not hitting. Um, also you got to think of the part that, uh, we do not have Mark Williams. I mean, well, we do not have Nick Richards. So Mark Williams is our only big, and we did play a little, a couple of small ball lineups. And this is one of them. Um, when we cannot score at all, I like the small ball lineup because defensively, I believe they did their thing. It was just that we could not score. And considering, you know, that we had, we had different variations of a small ball lineup. We had one where it was like LaMelo, Ishmith, Bryce McGowan's, uh, Miles, PJ. Then there was another one where it was like Ishmith, Bryce McGowan's, um, Gordon, Brandon Miller, uh, Gordon Hayward and my like we just had different variations of small ball, but we could not capitalize on any of them. Um, and part of that I think is because 
Miles Bridges did not have a good game. Uh, statistically, uh, well, I guess he ended up with a double double. But basically, if you watch the game, I, I got a lot more from watching how he played outside of just you know, if you were to just not watch the game and look at the box score. Looking at how he actually played, I think that he was able to provide a lot for us because he was doing a lot of the small things, even though he wasn't scoring. He was sensational at rebounding. I think he played pretty good defense. He was kind of just all over the place. He was another ball handler, kind of take the ball up the court, um, push the pace, because I do feel like we do have we have guys who are able to kind of alleviate some pressure off LaMelo when it comes to taking the ball up court and, you know, kind of letting LaMelo rest as we get the ball through, you know, across half court. But LaMelo is one of the guys who we really can rely on to get the rebound and push the tempo. Uh, so I, he did he did that a few times, and he just had some excellent passes. One thing that, that's forgot a lot about Miles Bridges is how good of a passer he is. I think he's an excellent passer, but – Another person I want to talk about, like once we as we're continuing talking about the end, you know, second half of this game is Gordon Hayward, because Jason Tatum with a mixture of PJ Brandon Miller and Miles Bridges guarding him had 31 points in that first half, and it just seemed like he was just going to drop 60, maybe even 70, and just make a fool of us. Now he still had 45, still made a fool of us, but. In that second half, and that's something I was trying to get people to understand on Twitter was that. They were like, he's still scoring 45, and if he made a free throw, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yes. all that, I'm not saying that won't be true. That still doesn't fact, change the fact that I think Gordon Hayward did an excellent job on Jason Tatum in that second half. So there was a period of time where Jason Tatum didn't play, as we just mentioned. But from the second half through OT, you know, through the end of the game, Jason Tatum only had 15 points or 14 points. I'm not mad at like I'm not mad at that. If you're telling me Jason Tatum, who one is one of the best players in the league, two can probably easily average thirty. I'm not I'm not mad at him, you know, going from thirty one to fourteen because Gordon Hayward, I don't think he really even locked Jason Tatum up. He just really made it difficult for Jason Tatum to even get in the rhythm of even getting the ball. Um, he was hedging pretty well, so Jason Tatum really wasn't able to get around screens. At this point, Jalen Brown is kind of out of the game. He has five fouls, not really hitting. It's really the Jason Tatum show. If the, if the Celtics want to win this game, they need to rely on Jason Tatum because also Christoph Porzingis wasn't doing too much because I think Mark Williams did an excellent, excellent job of guarding Christoph's uh, between rebounding, boxing now, uh, able to close out on a three-point line, kind of keeping up. Mark Williams did an excellent job. So it really was down to if the Celtics want to win this game, they have to go through Tatum because Pritchard wasn't hitting anymore either. We we did a good job of kind of doing a, some, some of the similar things of hedging, uh, denying the ball, make it, just making it really difficult for him on a perimeter um, to where even if he got the ball, he kind of had to give it up immediately because uh, we also did a few blitzes, which I typically don't like for us because usually it ends up in a breakdown. But I think tonight is probably the best we've ever ran that defense. So just once again, shout outs to Gordon Hayward because I think he was the hub of that. I'm not saying that he's the Tatum stopper. All I'm saying is that he just made it difficult and then you throw in kind of what we were throwing at Boston. We just made it difficult for him. And it, and it turned out that we end up winning this game. And LaMelo had some clutch plays at the end, especially I know he pushed off. But if you look at it, LaMelo ball had like 30-something points with one free throw when I can almost guarantee you that if I go back and look at his drives to the basket – at least a third, if not half, he was getting fouled on and not caught. Even even though he may have pushed at the end, 
uh, in regulation, even when he went to go to the game tying layup, he was fouled then. Drew Holiday hit his hip as as the mellow ball's going up. It should have been the and one, but obviously they didn't call it. So we we move. We keep playing. Um Speaking of Drew Holiday, man, Lamelo did this one move where he crossed up Drew Holiday so bad, and he kind of pushed off a little bit. I'm, if you can hide it, then it it is what it is. But Drew Holiday went flying, and the screenshot of it is hilarious because it makes it look worse than really what it was. Um, but it is what it is. It, it, it's crazy to see because, like, like I've said maybe before, I don't know if I've said that on here, but Drew Holiday is one of my favorite players like in the league. So it has been like for 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 a good while. So. It's good to see him kind of like be on a team that where I, where I really think he can make a difference after being traded. But still, it, it, that was crazy to see him fly like that. Lamelo really was on one. There really wasn't much you could do to stop him. I think he was doing a good job of like breaking doubles. He did a good job of kind of finding the open man. He was getting he was getting assists. I, I mean, well, getting rebounds, getting the long rebounds of the ball. Got you know took a long rebound and was kind of past where Mark Williams or Miles Bridges could get it. Lamelo usually for the most part got it. So his rebound we had to rebound out of team because that's what Boston does and they're one of the best rebounding teams in the league. And considering none of their bigs are real true rebounders, it it was imperative. Even though uh, Al Horford was out, it was imperative that we gain a rebound and we did just that because that's what the Celtics are going to do. Um, I don't actually know the rebound. Uh, discrepancy. I don't know if if we had more rebounds than they did or not, but I know we kept up with them. I know, I know that, I know that much. It, it was a close rebound battle, but the Hornets continued to kind of battle with the Celtics, and that, and that's all we needed. Like that's all that's all I've been asking for. I'm pretty sure that's all you've been asking for as another fellow Hornets fan is that we just get a team that to compete. And I think that the Celtics. I mean, I think that the Hornets did that last night and that's what ultimately ended up us winning the game like i said i know jason tatum missed them shots but gordon hayward caught jason tatum sleeping on the baseline a couple of times which led us I, one of those was like late in the fourth uh and that's what kind of got us to where we were to where Lamelo was able to tie the game uh it, it was just a lot it was a lot that it was a lot of little things to take to win this game and that's something that i feel like we have not showed all season as great as LaMelo played, no one else statistically scoring-wise really played that outstanding. If you look at it, I mean, Mark Williams did Mark Williams things, but I we know that like a majority of his help is on the defensive end. And offensively, he, he's able to get buckets so easy that it works. Of course, it helps him dropping 18-20 kind of easily at, at, at times. But it really just there was no one really doing anything. It wasn't like anyone else had like a consistent hot hand. Mark was getting his buckets, but it was all like over the course of the game. No one really had a hot hand to the end. But until that point, everybody was just doing the small things that they could in order to keep us, you know, in the game. And if I'm not, if I if I had to say so myself, I would say Lamelo did the best he could of keeping us in the game all what three and a half. Four quarter, basically four quarters plus overtime, like the whole game. He did whatever he could to keep us in the game. He had clutch shots, but I would go as far as to say as the team finished it. Like as much as Lamelo Ball had an impact on the end of that game, uh, regulation and overtime, I would say that he most of his damage just came in like the between time, you know, until 
we got to those clutch, clutch moments. And that's when the team kind of showed. Mark Williams had a good block on Peyton Pritchard. Uh, Gordon Hayward, like I said, cut baseline. He hit a couple of shots at the end. Brandon Miller hit a, th- a corner three. Uh, Miles, of course, hit the go-ahead. So there was just a lot of things that I felt like the Hornets did um, to kind of close out the game as a team. And LaMelo Ball, it, we wouldn't be able to do it without LaMelo Ball because while everybody else was struggling, basically the whole game, LaMelo Ball was balling no pun intended, and kept us in that whole game. So then everybody else, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't dare to say they started hitting or they started performing well, but they just started doing enough to kind of get us over the hump because Melo was probably gassed by the time we got to the end of that game. So once again, it's not to take away from Melo. I'm not saying he didn't have clutch plays. He had plenty and plenty of clutch plays uh, in that game last night. But I really feel like, he kept us in the game. Without him, we it wouldn't even be close. And then I felt like the guys kind of did what they needed to do to finish. And that that might be the recipe. I'm not saying play like crap and then you know expect Lamelo to save you every game, but I am saying Lamelo is playing out of his mind right now. So if he can keep us in game single handedly, because I've said this before, Lamelo Ball is our offense. Like he is the offense. He's that good. Um, I know James Harden went on to say like he's a system, like that he is a system. I wouldn't necessarily say the mellow ball is a system yet, but he's literally like the step under it, which is he's our entire offense. And that's essentially what a system is referring to. But I just feel as though you could run an offense through LaMelo, but there's still some things with his game to where it prevents him from kind of necessarily being a system. Also, uh, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, a really big part of that would be the fact that we don't really have complimentary players around him either because he's a guy who, especially now, can drive and kick well, probably some of the best in the league. We don't have any shooters. So it's really hard for him to really operate as a system, but I will say he's our offense. It, to me, there's a difference. I will a 1,000% understand if you were to say that there is no difference. That's stupid. I think there's a difference. Uh, not a big difference, but I think there's a difference. I think we surround him with some, with some better talent that can more fit his game. I think his game will go to the next level, and then we can really start talking about LaMelo Ball being a system because he's not far off at all. Um, But, yeah, great win, great, great team win. I'm happy with everything I saw. Mark, Like I said, Mark Mark Williams did a good job, uh, especially considering we've been getting killed on the five out in the Celtics. That's essentially what they can. They can run either or. I mean, but – Porzingis is good in the paint, but also, you know, he can shoot. Same with Al Horford, even though he didn't play. Mark Williams did an excellent job of just playing Porzingis wherever Porzingis wanted to be. If he wanted to be on the three, Mark was out there guarding him. If he wanted to be inside, Mark was right there guarding him. So I think he just did an excellent job and don't want that to go unnoticed. But if anything, I think we need a bench. We need a bench bad. And that kind of goes into my point about, you know, getting where is where do I see this team going? Um, As far as like, you know, nearsighted, I would say for the Wizards, we got to win that game. If you're the Hornets. Um, and want to make the playoffs, and I've said this before, you have to beat the teams that on paper, you know, that you're, you're expected to beat, but then also you got to beat some of the teams that you're not expected to beat a couple of times. It has to be only a handful of times, but but if you beat the teams that are kind of in your tier and below, and then every now and then, every blue moon, you beat a team that's better than you, playoffs, easily, easily. And then when you look at our tier, that I believe we can be in, not that we're in right now, not to where we're playing, um, but where we can be in, 
we have a chance to make the playoffs. One, it helps that that tier is huge. That tier, like that middle tier is huge. You got like Pacers, Raptors, Magic, Fal- uh, I almost said Falcons, Hawks. Um, who else? I can't think of anybody else right now. Off the top of my head. Cavaliers are kind of playing down to that tier, but I, that's not the tier I would put them in. Um, just those teams like that. And that's just the East. I mean, because we still some of these West games matter too. Um, we we have a chance. We have a chance if this team continues to play any variation of what they played against the Celtics. We have a chance, but we need a better bench. Because, like I said, when the Celtics took basically took their starters out, we essentially didn't really have our starters in. You know, every now and then Steve would sub in Lamelo and for like a minute or two and whatnot. We just couldn't score. We couldn't do anything. And it was frustrating because they couldn't either. They weren't really hitting. They had some open shots, um, but they just weren't hitting them. But we couldn't hit either. And we didn't have open shots. Their their bench unit is just better than ours. Um, So we need just kind of like a – I keep asking for a 3 and D guard because I'm tired of seeing Brandon Miller guard, smaller guards, and not – a detriment to Brandon Miller. I'm saying that like that's just not fair. Why why is he guarding Jalen Brunson and guys like that uh when they're obviously just more shifting? He's a rookie. Like I think it's gonna just take time for him to be able to understand how to play these guys. It you know, it takes you playing them one or two times, maybe even three times to kind of get a feel. And then of course, you know, they continue people are continuously involved in their game as well. So it's just not an easy transition. And I just don't understand why we continue putting him on smaller guards where they can kind of get by him because people keep screaming he's a two and he's just not a two. He's not a two. Not yet. And there's nothing wrong with that. So until then, we need kind of smaller guards that can guard. And as much as I like Terry Rozier and I think he he truly is kind of buying in to the defense. It, it it still needs work. It, it still needs work, um, and we still need someone to kind of fill that role. So I think we can get that role. Cody Martin is supposed to be that. Cody Martin healthy, I think, helps a lot on defense because that we need a guy to be like, I'll get my fast break dunks. I'll hit my corner three sometimes, but most of my energy is on defense. We need someone like that. Uh, Frank Nielakini can kind of be that, too. He wasn't that bad in preseason defensively. At least his offense was horrible. But his, but Cody Martin, I mean, Frank Nielakini falls into the territory of my offense stinks so bad. And this, maybe we can say the same thing about J.T. Thor. My offense stinks so bad that it doesn't make my defense worth it. I'm not this second team all defensive player. And then my offense just stinks. I'm a you know, pretty solid. Like people would want me on their team to play defense, but my offense is so bad. They're like, you know what? I'll take the guy with a little less defense, but can shoot. Um, so we, we just had to stay cognizant of that. But going forward, if this team plays any variation of what we saw last night in Boston, I think I think we can be a good team. It's not going to be easy because three and nine or four and nine as a whole. We're five games under five hundred. Um we could Going on a five-game win streak is insane, and even if we do, like I said, we're, we will be at 500. So it's just not going to be easy. A lot of we're playing a lot of West Coast teams coming up. We're going, you know, or a few couple of road trips as we finish this homestand. So it, it's just not a lot of easy stuff going. So the team's going to have to step it up. I know Miles Bridges said kind of in his little interview after the game that this is a game to kind of maybe flip it, flip it around uh, for the team, and I hope so because. Once again, you got to beat the teams you, you're supposed to beat. You got to beat the teams in your kind of tier. And, you know, we'll worry about the other teams later. But 
it is not going to be easy going forward. Uh, we're still dealing with injury. I have no idea when Terry Rozier is coming back, but we need to figure out what we are because the thing is, if the Hornets want to make the playoffs, I think a move needs to be made. I think a move needs to be made regardless um, because you, you know, get some assets from some guys that, you don't know, kind of see in your future and things like that. But if you are trying to make the playoffs, I think some moves need to be made because the answer to our problems is not on the roster. And if, and if it is, it's all hypothetical. So what I mean by that is the Cody Martins, Frank Nielakina's, uh, even PJ is like, I keep saying like, I, I think I'm in love with the idea of what PJ is supposed to provide, but not actually what PJ does. Uh, and he's a good player. He He's a good player. I think I just, and for this team, I think he needs to be a certain way. And that's just not his game as of right now. And so he is on probably the epitome of we see him go to a different team and they ask him to do different things. He probably would look even better. Um, but for what we exactly need him for, consider everything else we kind of have. Because BJ more so fits like a Miles, not that they play the same, but like kind of he wants to really score more and maybe be an okay defender. But we need we have Miles already, and that's kind of what Miles is. And I think Miles is better than an okay defender, but PJ can't put the ball on a full line mile. It's just and they kind of play the same position because PJ is more of a four-three than a than a four-five. You know what I mean? And really, if anything, he's like John Collins, where he's just like, you're just a four. So Miles Bridges at least can play three-four and then maybe even small ball five, depending on you know the lineups. But we have that. So I think if we if we need to if we want to win, we need to get rid of him. Maybe Gordon Hayward. Like it's just some things that need to be need to be looked at because, like I said, Cody Martin. We don't know when he's coming back, and if he does, I, I'm not relying on him to be good. Same with Frank Nielakina. I'm not relying on him to be good to help us. No, it, I think we need guys that we've seen play this year who have been playing well. That's what we'll need um, going forward. But now we're about to move into the final segment. I should probably get some like music. I, I will work on that for you guys. But now we're going to work into the final segment about the Lamella Ball conversations. And simply put, I just don't understand the narrative around he doesn't make winning plays or he doesn't play winning basketball. I've seen Hornets fans say it. I've seen public outlets say it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um. I do think more so you have to understand the circumstances. I think you also have to look at what he's doing and how effective it is. So the two, we're going to break this section down into two, into two smaller sections. So when people say the mellow ball doesn't play winning basketball, the two main components of that is one, the flashiness and just kind of some of the absurd things he does. That's what they see, and they're like, oh, you can't. And then, and then they see the Hornets suck and be like, oh, you can't win like that. And they're somewhat right. And then the other one is the reason he does those flashy, sometimes egregious things. So him doing it is one thing to deter people and say he doesn't play winning basketball. But then they're not understanding the reason in which why he does it because that that also plays a part into why you would think he doesn't play winning basketball. I, I don't, I'm about to explain it, but I don't know if that makes that much sense. So let's start off with the, the flashiness. So the behind the back, the pass to Mark Williams last night, 
and sensational, amazing. However, if the Hornets lost that game, someone would be like, oh, this is a flashy play, but it didn't win the game. So it's, it's things like that. Um, and then also the deep threes he takes. He takes a lot of like bad, quote unquote, bad threes, uh, which, you know, by definition, they're bad shots. But he makes them. That's the type of player he is. He makes them more times than not. It it all makes sense. Uh, but you see that and you see him miss or or if you don't really watch his game, you don't understand it. That, that's like his corner three. Like he makes that so much that that's that's my that might be like his elbow three kind of. You know what I mean? So. I just above the break when he takes those shots, I'm not really too concerned about it. Um, but I do understand how people could see that and be like, oh, he took that with, you know, still 20 seconds left in the shot clock. And so there's there's no way that's winning basketball. And then once again, you correlate that to the Hornets just having been successful. And then another reason people say the middle ball doesn't play winning basketball is sometimes it's the teammates fault. So the reason he has to do those egregious things, the reason he has to play that certain way, maybe not the flashy passes, but a reason why he has to take some tough shots and ultimately make tough shots is because no one else is hitting around him. And people don't see that. They they don't understand that. And and some of them say, well, he's the point guard. So they, you know, he he's not giving them the ball, whatever the case may be. And they think it's LaMelo's affecting these people from being good instead of these people not being good is affecting LaMelo. And that part I just don't get. Because, and I posted this on, on Twitter the other day, that the selfish shot that LaMelo takes that I'm assuming people are referring to the most is the above the break three. So if you're not familiar exactly with what the break is, you know, on the basketball court, you have the two lines on, on both sides of like the three-point line. That's the break. So anything from, you know, that point basically to half court is above the break. And LaMelo takes a lot. Last I checked, he took like he takes like 80. He well, he's taking 80, but he was like 35 percent or 36, maybe even 37 percent from above the break. That's a high, high percentage, especially considering we know some of the above the break threes aren't like at the break. They're basically half court and he's making them. So you take that in consideration to the corner three where it's supposed to be the easiest three-point shot in basketball in in both corners, we'll put it together. At the time when I looked at the stat and posted this stat, as the four other guys, four key guys outside of LaMelo Ball that's not named um, Miles Bridges, so it was P.J., Gordon Hayward, uh, Terry Rozier, who missed a lot of games but still, um, and Brandon Miller, they were like 25% from the corner. So if you're LaMelo, and I'm not saying he's sitting there analyzing the, the stats, but just by the feel of the game, the flow of the game, if you know they're not hitting, but you are, you have to continue to take that shot. You just have to continue. Now, I completely understand if, let's say, they were hitting the corner three at like a, 40% clip. Then yeah, okay. They're they're hitting at a higher but even, okay, let's say even the same. So let's say it was I think cuz I think it was 30 Lamelo's hitting like 36% from above the break. So let's say they're hitting 36, you know, percent from the three or from the corner. Then okay, even then it's like yeah, it's the same percentage, but I would, you know, the corner is the easiest shot. But if you're hitting like that at a 10% difference better, 
you're going to, you got to continue to take the shot. I don't care what anybody says and says it doesn't look like winning basketball. No one else is hitting. So if someone's going to hit, it has to be him. It has to be him. So that's why, like I said, we had to break it down into two separate kind of containers is because you see the stuff he does sometimes and then you compare it to the Hornets record. And it's like, no way that is equating to winning because they're not winning. But yeah, I see all these flashy plays from LaMelo. But then you say, you know, it's not winning basketball because these other guys aren't playing so well. So then he has to do or it doesn't it doesn't work both ways. So if these guys are continuing to play like trash, he has to kind of, you know, up it a little bit in order to to try to get the team a chance to win. But no one sees that. No one understands that. And I'm not saying it has to be that way forever. I'm not saying that Gordon Hayward, because even though I just gave him praise, he didn't play well offensively all game last game. I'm not saying that, you know, he can't turn it around. But until they do, this is what we're kind of stuck to. We're kind of stuck to LaMelo continue taking these shots that he's making at a pretty high rate, if you ask me. it I mean, it is just what it is. I, I, I need the other guys to step up. So... That's why I just don't believe that the whole Lamelo Ball doesn't play doesn't play winning basketball, because literally the stuff you see him do is a product of some of the stuff of the teammates not helping him, and some people look at the teammates not helping him as part of his fault because of how he plays, and not necessarily how he plays is a pro uh, understanding of how he plays is more so because the team isn't really doing a lot of things they need to be doing. And I'll also say this. In LaMelo Ball's second year, Miles Bridges was damn near an all-star. I, I think he was really, really close. If the Hornets were a little better, he probably would have made the all-star team. They won 43 games that year. That was a winning year. That was LaMelo Ball's second, second year on the team, first year as a starter at full time. Because even in the, his rookie year, he didn't start a good chunk of games. And he got injured, right? Didn't he get, yeah, he got injured his rookie year. So then he comes into the second year, plays even better, has the first time since, you know, in the four years, he's had someone that is even close to being an all star because he wasn't an all star, but he was close. They win 43 games. Did they fizzle at the end? Yeah. Is did Lamelo not have the best game during that time? Yeah. Uh, I remember specifically he was taking some crazy shots in that game. I was like, oh my god, here we go again because you know the year before we lost, but didn't everybody play like crap for real? I think I can always forget, but I wanted either it was either the Hawks game or the Pacers game where PJ played really well, but everybody else played like crap. Either way. At winning basketball, to me, you had Mason Plumlee as your center, and I injured Gordon Hayward most of the time because in both of those seasons, in the in our rookie season, in Lamelo Ball's rookie season, and in and in um, Lamelo's second season, the Hornets through like twenty five games, thirty games was like a four seed both times. And then right on the money, Gordon Hayward gets hurt, and then everything falls from that. And then and then I think in that second year, COVID was a thing, which the the fact that we won 43 games that year is actually crazy because so much of the lineup was out through the COVID. 
Kelly Oubre, you know, hopefully he gets, you know, with his current injury, hopefully all that gets figured out. And I hope, you know, for a good, uh, quick recovery, an easy recovery. But Kelly Oubre was like immune. <laughs> it was like the only person healthy because I think LaMelo Ball like had some issues and some people had COVID. Kelly Oubre didn't have any injuries and he just and he was like immune to COVID. And he was balling. Like he was going crazy in those games to kind of, you know, bridge the gap between our guys being out and everybody slowly coming back. And then we kind of make a run to, you know, be the 10 seed again, even though we were 43 and 39. But the fact that you're saying LaMelo, some people say LaMelo Ball doesn't play winning basketball is insane to me. I get it as far as like a visual. If you just look and then look at a Hornets record, it's like, no, that's not winning basketball. But you watch the game and understand kind of why he does a couple of the things that he does and that he's efficient at it. I'm, I'm willing to take it until something gets turned around, which I have hope that it does. I have hope that it does. Gordon Hayward is a good basketball player. He makes me upset half the time, uh, but he's a good basketball player. Brandon Miller is a rookie. Miles Bridges is coming back after not playing 200 and something games or 200 something games. After not playing for 500 something days. P.J. Washington, like I said, the idea, I still see it with P.J., but I, I just don't. I'm ready to win, and, I, and I'm not ready to, like, kind of figure that out. P, I think it's something P.J. has to figure out. And I think you can say that about a lot of players on our team, is that some of the stuff of why they're not kind of reaching their potential, it's like, dude, you just have to want to reach it instead of, like, you want to play this way. And, I, and actually, that's a, a good point is, are the Hornets asking them to play this way, or is that how they actually play? But... At some point, it's like, dude, this is kind of where I see your skill set at, but you're playing it like a holy, as if you're a holy, completely different player. So I don't know. But anyway, we've talked long enough. This is a long, long episode. Didn't expect the episode to be this long, but thank you so much for listening. We talked about the Boston Celtics game. Uh, that was exciting. We talked about the the kind of our team going forward and how I feel like we need a three and D wing. We need a bench to kind of be a little better. We have a lot of little pieces here and there, but if we can consolidate some of that and get a solid role player on our bench, I think that would help. Um, also, I something I didn't mention is I think we need another backup big, but someone that can maybe shoot because of the fact that Mark Williams and Nick Richards, while they, their games are different and obviously different, they kind of do the same things. You kind of have them there for the same things. So I feel like we, if we do get a ter- tertiary center, it needs to be someone that can do something kind of completely off the radar, which in this case would be shooting. Um, so, yeah, that that's something that we talked about as well as just as far as what kind of we need if going forward. If we want to win, there's some things we need to do as far as the roster, as far as like, uh, mentality as far as X's and O's. We talked about that. And then last we talked about the Miller ball narrative that he doesn't play winning basketball, which is ridiculous to me. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.